Welcome back to American Graffiti, one song at a time. I'm your DJ, Rachel Mummert, and today we will be talking about Minute 34, where we cover the song, Do You Want to Dance? And we talk about John and Carol meeting Bob Falfa. And today, I am joined by my guest DJ. Oh, hello there. I'm Alex Robinson. From the Star Wars Minute and other podcasts. <laughs> Happy to be here. Yes, thank you for joining us today. So, this little movie is by, uh, you know, a director named George Lucas. I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but... Uh... <laughs> He's that new sensation out of Canada, is that wrong? No, yeah, I, don't think, yeah. I was just thinking of somebody else. <laughs> anyway, yes, George Lucas, director of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. <laughs> So what is your experience with this movie in particular? Is it one you kind of grew up with or have seen many times? Uh, I didn't grow up with it. I think I might have seen it in one of the revivals. I assume it came back a couple of times that they used to do that all the time in the 70s. But I mostly remember it because when I worked at a bookstore, um, this is back when the novelty of bookstores selling VHS tapes was a thing. So our manager would always put on she had like six videos that she would rotate so every monday she would play yellow submarine by the beatles every tuesday she and one of the movies she picked was american graffiti so basically it became like the background content while i worked there but i up until that point i don't think i had ever actually watched it and sat so i kind of more absorbed it by osmosis before i actually sat down and said let me watch it beginning to end and uh i uh enjoyed it i think it's a fun it's a fun movie and it's really surprising considering that george lucas nowadays has a reputation as being a like a very kind of cold director you know he doesn't really not known for in, in getting charismatic performances out of people so it's so the fact that there's so many charming people in this movie is uh it's it's uh it's very puzzling and I wonder if a lot of that is because he draws so much on his own life and experiences so it's kind of a movie that's a lot closer to his, to his heart and his life so it's easier for him to sh emote that on screen versus the you know star wars and such yeah i mean that would make sense that this is you know uh clearly based on uh, you know a lot of lucas's you know own adolescence of driving up and down the street and stuff in fancy cars so uh well cool cars not fancy cars but uh, yeah yeah so maybe it was a lot easier and also he had you know actors who kind of at least knew what it was like to be a teenager here on earth so they could at least go on that experience versus telling people oh yes you're a space princess in the year you know like it's a lot harder to get kids to uh to, to kind of be able to to roll with that and i also like that it's kind of become a a sort of i don't know if this movie gets enough credit for basically inventing that whole genre of teenagers having one night out on the town that changes all their lives forever kind of a kind of a thing you know like dazed and confused and even like um book smart and what's the one of it's like book smart but with boys super bad something like that yeah, so it's it's definitely started a whole, uh, you know, for all the credit George Lucas gets for, you know, re rejuvenating the blockbuster, he also doesn't get enough credit for kind of coming up with an indie indie movie mainstay of, uh, you know, you can, you can do it pretty cheaply and, uh, you know, well, anyway, yeah. And it's just one of those movies, I guess I feel too, I mean, I came to this movie relatively 
new shortly a while ago. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I hadn't really seen it before we started or before we came up with the idea for the podcast. Mm, wow, that's a commitment. I've, like, I've heard of it, but I had never, you know, like you had said, actually sat down and watched right. it. And it's just one of those where even though I didn't grow up, you know, during the 60s, wasn't even a twinkle in my parents' eye. (laughs) (laughs) You can still connect on it at a certain level. I mean, just going through high school and, you know, making that, moving on from taking that step from high school to, you know, the big world beyond. You can connect with a lot of what these characters are feeling and going through. So that's, I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, the details might might change over time or but you know everyone at the at this, everyone's core they're all kind of we all want the same sort of things you know love and respect of our family and peers and to be thought of as cool and to have a cool car all that kind of stuff that everyone wants universally all throughout human history and i had read a rumor where when they were editing this movie the rumor had it that that was kind of where the name R2-D2 was born because when they were editing, a co-worker had asked for real two, dialogue two. So I don't know the truth to that rumor, but hey, I think it's pretty cool. So <laughs> I have heard that story that it is from R2. I didn't know it was specifically from American Graffiti, but I have heard that it is from someone saying real two, dialogue two or whatever. The Yeah. A couple of DNA evidence, a couple of DNA things from Star Wars in... Uh, Oh, yeah. In, uh, American Graffiti. Yeah, I don't know if someone, I don't know if anyone else has uh, mentioned it, but Cindy Williams, uh, Opie's girlfriend in the movie, was auditioned to be in Star Wars. And you can see the footage of her auditioning, saying basically Princess Leia, it's basically Shirley saying lines that Princess Leia says. So it's very, it's a very weird disconnect to see those, those words coming out of that actress's mouth, you know? That's right. I forgot. I'd seen that. I'd seen that part of yeah, her yeah. audition. <laughs> and of course, we have. Harrison Ford as Bob Falfa in this this little this segment here, <laughs> where I think he was one of the because the thing was you know a lot of the like um, Ron Howard and Charles Martin Smith were actually teenagers you know that's mm-hmm. rare when you're making a movie about teenagers, <laughs> mm-hmm. but Harrison Ford I think was one of the older actors I think he turned thirty during filming of this movie. <laughs> Wow, that's uh He's a good looking. I mean, he's a young looking 30. <laughs> yeah. This is a weird uh Harrison for Harrison Ford performance. He it, it seems very say what you will about Harrison Ford, but he, he tends to be the same type of person in every role. You know what I mean? He's he he doesn't really stretch himself. I think one time he tried to play a uh Russian uh submarine captain or something. But this is him like almost like doing like a, a much sassier character than we've ever seen him doing in any other uh any other thing. You know, you never see Han Solo trying this hard. No. <laughs> so it's kind of funny in that regard. And I love his twang. He has a slight twang yeah. as mm-hmm. Bob Falfa in his hat. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 so funny because now it totally stands out. It's like, oh my gosh, that's Han, that's Han Solo. But yeah, you know, it's it. I guess it's a better it's a better early movie to have than some actress actors or actresses. I guess particularly actresses seem to get stuck with that because they wind up you know having to do much worse stuff in in movies than uh, so. But yeah, this isn't too bad of a debut. I assume it's his, it is his debut, right? Or did is do we know that? 
because I know that he was offered the role, but he initially didn't want to do it because he would actually make less in the role than he would <laughs> working as a carpenter. Yeah. I think they initially offered him like $485 a week and they upped it to a whole $500 a week. So then he accepted the role. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be Harrison Ford if he wasn't complaining about having to do a movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and he even refused to cut his hair for this role. <laughs> I think that's why he went with a hat. <laughs> Maybe the hat's probably what gave him that twang. That's probably that was a fortuitous choice. Otherwise, we would have heard him doing like his, uh, his like greaser voice. <laughs> I would like to hear that, actually. <laughs> I think he... He, yeah, he drives a 55 Chevy because I was looking up to see what what car he drove. And they did like three different model or three different, yeah, I guess it'd be models of that Chevy to use throughout filming. Mm -hmm. Like one was the outside filming and then one they used for interiors. And then the one they used was for the crash near the... Like later on in the movie, the rollover crash. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess I don't have to watch the rest of the movie. Thanks for that. Oh, yeah. But, I just... uh, oh, well. <laughs> we don't know the outcome. Of the crash. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, I wonder if they, uh, I wonder if any of the cars from this movie are like go to car shows and stuff. Could you see like one of the three cars used by Bob Falfa in the movie? I think they were. Pose with it. Turned off. Or especially the, um, I think John and Bob, let me double check. Like Jay Leno owns it or something. I know. <laughs> I wouldn't mind having John Milner's. His is pretty sharp looking. And I love in this, it's weird. I mean, I don't know Mackenzie Phillips from a lot of things, mostly mm -hmm. from, oh, is it one day at a time? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's pretty much all. That's pretty much all she's. That, that's pretty much all she's done, really. I mean, maybe a handful of other things, but uh. yeah. Oh, she was in this back when Disney Channel had kind of grown uppy, not grown uppy, but not Hannah Montana. <laughs> uh -huh. There was a show called So Weird, and it was a really good show. And I forgot she played the mom who was like oh, a rock wow. star. Oh. When I was a kid, I uh, I had a crush on Mackenzie Phillips from One Day at a Time. I could see that because she's. I mean, even seeing her this young is kind of like oh man but she's she got the cute little preteen teen i'm not exactly sure how old she's supposed to be in this movie mm -hmm. but i like her i love her character and her character's attitude just during the <laughs> just how tough she, sassy. she tries to be yeah i love her sass <laughs> they should have got carrie fisher to play that role that would have yeah i could see yeah <laughs> i think carrie fisher is too um i don't know mackenzie phillips looks looks like scragglier than carrie fisher did yeah you know what I mean? she looks a bit she looks a bit like more more like a regular person because you know carrie fisher was the offspring of movie stars so yeah so. definitely and she so. you know in the beginning of this she's playing with that i'm trying i was trying to figure out what exactly that was that she has is it the gear shift to his car that's what car. i think it was yeah yeah, yeah. Duh, i have it right here my notes gear shift because at first it looked like one of those like cigarette lighters you always have have in the car <laughs> right Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess they're power adapters now, but they used yeah. to be cigarettes. Yeah, they, 
Yeah, uh, the gear shift knob. Uh, my partner, Pete the Retailer, from Star Wars Minute, uh, recently watched American Graffiti and was struck by that because this could be spoilers for, for anyone who hasn't seen The Mandalorian. Yeah. But at one point, one, one character gives another character a gear shift knob, and we were wondering if that was an homage to this, where they put that in as a little tribute to George Lucas having that little bit in this movie. You know what I mean? That's exactly that what I had in my notes, too. <laughs> Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, because that's the first thing I thought of. I was like, hmm, is that? <laughs> Again, I won't go into further detail for sport. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's a nice little, uh, nice little, it's, it's, it's a nice little touch in this movie. And it, it's, it would be a nice little touch if they, it was in fact done in the Mandalorian as a tribute to this, to this uh, film. I would just hope that uh, baby Yoda would have the same sass as <laughs> Carol does. Maybe they could get Mackenzie Phillips to do the voice when, once she starts uh, to that raspy, raspy oh, experienced man. voice. That'd be hilarious. And I was listening in the background before the actual music starts and I had to listen a, a couple times to make sure I heard correctly, but the there's an ad for Butterfingers. The candy bar? On the radio. The I, I assume it's Butterfinger. So I looked it up because I'm like, wow, you know, Butterfingers are still a pretty big popular yeah, candy yeah. bar now. And it was about the 1920s when those were introduced. So yeah, I get that would have fit. But I was just wow. that's so random. I'm like, I'm assuming it's Butterfinger Candy Bar. Now that's some product placement. When you're putting something you're filming something in nineteen sixty nine, set in nineteen sixty two, and then in twenty twenty one people still know what the product is. That's a good <laughs> that's some century spanning product placement yeah. right there. Oddly enough, I did not have a craving for any Butterfingers. Mm. I'm not a big Butterfinger fan. I can't say I've ever had one. They're they're interesting. I mean, <laughs> it's chocolate. It's not bad. They're no circus peanut. Oh, circus peanuts. Oh, oh dear. I have a love-hate relationship with circus peanuts. Oh, yeah? A lot of bad blood between you two? Well... My great grandpa always used to have circus peanuts at his house, and I wow. loved them when I was little. And uh -huh. you know, now I'm just like, oh, oh. <laughs> you think about but. So I grew up loving them and having, but now I'm just like, oh man. You don't even get the nostalgic thrill. You don't like taste or smell it, and be like, oh man, that really takes me back to the smell. I Papa's house. Yeah. Is that and those anise cookies? Hmm, yeah. Now those don't bring back good memories. <laughs> those do not taste good. <laughs> They're an acquired taste. <laughs> but I, I just like you know going back to Carol and John's conversation. I always mm -hmm. just think she's trying to appear tougher, you know, because she's like, hey, you know, when he asked the girls in the car, you know, none of you, you know, any of you want to ride with me? And she jumps yeah. in and then he's like, oh, crap, like, how old are you? And I think she's just trying to be like tough, like to appear older than she is. Sure. Just kind of she always, you know, my dad's such an ogre, you know, he doesn't let me play records or this or that. And right. <laughs> and about the party that he, the late night party that he breaks up with all the police. I was just wondering, I'm like, how true, like how much exaggeration is she going into with that story? Oh, yeah, I wonder. Well, here's a little detail I noticed. She says, you know, he's like, 
uh, trying to get her to go home. And she says, well, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm not hitting the rack until I've had like a fun night or something like <laughs> along those yeah. lines. And hitting the rack makes me think that Mackenzie Phillips, uh, what's her name? Carol? Yeah. Yeah. That her, that her dad must be a military guy because that's because uh, I don't imagine she picked that up in, in, in Korea or anything, but her father very well might have is the old enough to have been at least either Korea or even World War Two. So, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that would make sense if he was more strict, you know, right. if he grew yeah. up, if she was a military child, like a child of somebody in the military. Right, right, yeah. And she's, you know, just like, oh, you can cream me if you want. You can break my arm. See if I care. <laughs> it just reminds me of being that age kind of and being like, whatever, like <laughs> having that attitude. <laughs> yeah, a certain fearlessness that you can have when you are young and dumb. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not that I jumped so. in cars with... Random people. I did not. Well, not random people, but... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> so are, are we going to talk about, do you want to dance? Yeah, yeah, sure. We can go ahead and talk about that. I had a few notes by Bobby Freeman, and I had that it was recorded 1958, and I didn't know, but of what I found, he was only... Bobby Freeman was only 17 when this was recorded. That makes sense. So that's one weird thing. That's one weird detail. My OCD personality would be such where if I'm setting this in what year is it supposed to be? 1962? Yep, 1962. Why would a pop radio station be playing a song from four years earlier? I would say everything has to be from 1962 or latest 1961. Assuming something was a sleeper hit and they weren't playing it till later, but but you know, I guess in the interest of having a wider variety of songs, uh, I'll I'll allow it. <laughs> and there there's a couple of songs like that, you know, that are from earlier. You know, you'd be like, huh, would they have been playing you know songs from that many years ago? On right, some yeah. of them are from like the early 60s. That's uh, one thing I thought was uh, uh, the movie The Sting, the Paul, Paul Newman, uh, Robert Redford movie, rather famously used, had a lot of ragtime in the soundtrack, and it gave it a, gave it a very old-timey feel, and The Entertainer was actually a, a hit on the radio and stuff. But what's weird is that ragtime music was from, like, 1900, and this movie is set in, like, 1925 like or sometime in the 20s. So that's the sort of, I guess, time compression that inevitably happens where, like, eventually to people, like, they're going to think that, like, the Beatles and someone, like, the Beatles were around in, like, 1930. You know, people will say, like, well, yeah, it's just, well, it's 20, 30 years. What difference does it make? Yeah. So to us, that seems crazy, but that will happen. So, so the fact that they're playing a song from four years earlier—that's that's a pretty minor. At least it's from the right within five years. Right, that's, yeah. That's pretty. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll give them credit for that. Did you have anything on the song? I was more familiar. Uh, I don't know if I've ever heard the Bobby Freeman version. I was more familiar by with a version by the Beach Boys who covered yeah. it. Yeah. That's the one that I'm more familiar with. I think it's one of those situations where whichever version you hear first of any song, that's probably the one you're going to like the best because that's the one like to you. That's the normal version and uh, regardless of who did it first. But I can't help but feel like the Beach Boys did it better uh, than than poor Bobby Freeman. Yeah. But he was only 17, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine recording a hit at 17. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's a fun song. It's fun to dance to. And uh, my answer would be, yes, I do want to dance, Bobby Freeman. That would make me want to dance. <laughs> 
And I love because I covered some other like the um, the sock hop or uh, the dance earlier in the movie, and it's just fun to can um, like I was um, researching the peppermint twist, uh-huh. and it's just neat well, to see. Yeah, <laughs> it's just neat to see because I went to YouTube. I was just curious, and some of the like videos they have it's just fun to watch people dance doing dances from this era is it people from is it people doing it back then or is it people now recreating what people did back then it looked like from back then right they were indeed doing twist with in a peppermint (laughs) e-way Uh, it's fascinating to me that like certain eras are seem like they're going to live on forever. Like the 1950s, like the look of it, I guess because of it, it someone shows up in a leather jacket, like, and it, it looks like a fifties thing, you know, or, or a woman wearing a poodle skirt or whatever. And it's funny that that will, that will, st- it feels like that will always be a kind of look you can always easily identify as like a fifties thing, even though I guess technically this movie is in the sixties, but obviously it's. It's a pre-60s, 60s. You know, it's not like, you know, it's pre, pre-Beatles, pre 60s. Because I know I, we, I talked about that a little bit previously about how even though it's set in, you know, 1962, uh-huh. it still has a very 50s vibe. And just because, you know, the calendar says, you know, this is 1962, it doesn't automatically turn over when, you know, to a new right. decade immediately because it yeah. takes a while to get that. 60s vibe going yeah or if anything you can kind of use the the knowledge the audience might have the fact that like to someone who grew up then knowing 1962 is like before right before the 60s started you know um it, it would be like setting a setting a, a story like in september september 8th 2001 you know what i mean like yeah. we know this everything's about to change dramatically but the so that's you're, you're watching these characters and you know i guess the guy's talking about whether he's going to go to v Vietnam and stuff and that's sort of the storm clouds that are up ahead are are can I hear them on the distance but yeah fascinating time I'm a big history nerd so I I, I really enjoy them trying to accurately capture what a time was like you know a time period or whatever oh yeah and just seeing all the cars I'll always say that's one of my favorite things about this movie is just there's nothing like cars from back in that time. <laughs> you sound like you're a real car head. Um, not really. <laughs> well, you were expressing, you were asking which one of the cool cars you wanted and stuff. So I figured, uh, but yeah, cars are definitely a uh, easy way to delineate. And 50s cars, I guess, especially look particularly cool. Here's a question. Why can't they make cars that look like cool old cars, but just put modern interiors in them? I know. And I, I thought about that, too, because when you look back at like this movie and the cars in it and then, you know, thinking to like cars that we have today, it's like they have a very formulaic look to them now. Yeah. Not like the yeah. Edsel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a lot more variety and, and, you know, I guess they were a lot more ostentatious. And so I don't know. I just feel like it's, it's, a, it's, yeah, cars are, are boring now. Oh, yeah. It's hard to imagine someone getting like nostalgic about a 1983 Toyota Tercel or, or <laughs> something like that. I had a 1987 uh, Oldsmobile as my first car. <laughs> now, Oldsmobile to me, I don't know anything about cars, but that to me sounds like a fancy car, an Oldsmobile. Um, is it not? Mine wasn't. 
I mean, I liked it because it was my car. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But it was just like, uh, it was only two years older than, or two years younger than I was. Mm. It was an 87. So it was a classic. Yeah, it was a classic. Not quite an antique, <laughs> but a classic. <laughs> uh, my brother at one point had a uh, a Toyota car that he had for, I think, like 16 years or something. Oh, wow. And he was like, it's almost, he's like in another two years or something, it will legally be considered a classic car. <laughs> Oh wow! <laughs> under the like, by I guess by insurance rules or whatever, once a car is a certain age, it automatically becomes a classic. Wow, I never so, thought about that. Yeah, I guess just because it's probably harder to the older a car gets, the harder it is to repair, and you know, just because oh, the parts, yeah. parts, parts, you can't find the parts, and probably more expensive to insure a classic car. But oh yeah. Well, then you can enter it in car shows. <laughs> like when you go to car shows and you see all the like really classic, like, you know, 50s, 60s, and then you see like a 1993 Ford Mustang and you're like, but why? Like, okay, cool. But I mean, okay. <laughs> yeah. Did, was it something happened in it? Was someone murdered in it? Or why is this car here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can I go home and get my car? And I I had a 2003 Chevy Cavalier. Can I? <laughs> it's like someone just parked it in the wrong spot. And so to cover it up, they just put a sign on it saying classic car. <laughs> Vote for me. So those are the kind of cars that I would want to see cars that actually something famous, like this is a this is the car that Bonnie and Clyde were shot in, or this is the car that, uh, you know, the only thing I can think of are people getting shot in them. <laughs> but I'm sure there must be other famous cars. You know, like the Batmobile or, or whatever. Apollonia's blown up car from The Godfather. <laughs> no! <laughs> yeah, that, that, you have to recreate it. Well, you got Sonny. Sonny got shot in a car in The Godfather. They could have that car, uh, that car there, all the bullet holes in it. <laughs> Look at how they massacred myself. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what the most famous car I've seen in real life is, and uh, I feel like it might be like Kit. I I'm trying to think because my husband and I went to Gatlinburg a year or so ago. I don't know. Time has no meaning anymore, so I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> it was some time when we could safely travel. <laughs> the before times. Yes. <laughs> and they had recently opened something called the Alcatraz East Museum. It was basically like a crime museum from, it went through crime from like, you know, medieval times through more modern times it was really cool and they had cars not medieval times the restaurant no because no. <laughs> that would have been interesting all the crimes that took place in medieval times <laughs> in its own would be its own little uh... and they had and i don't know i'm trying to remember if they were the actual ones or recreations but they had like the bonnie and clyde car uh -huh. which i think that was the one that may have been used as a movie prop not the actual <laughs> but they had a f the the bronco i mean i think it was not oj's bronco just a for bronco <laughs> but the one that his i'd have to look back at because his friend had one Ugh, i'm gonna mess the story up but it was like <laughs> i was just like oh my gosh it's oj you know the bronco <laughs> wow i guess that is one of the most iconic cars of uh the last 30 years <laughs> no, I feel like I've mostly seen like like I said Kit like I did like the Universal backstage tour I bet I feel like you probably see famous cars on that yeah good times famous cars if you could have let's assume that my crazy scheme took place and you could basically get the interior of an affordable car but you could have the exterior you could look through a catalog and pick out any famous car you wanted for your exterior 
what kind of car do you think you would pick? Oh gosh. Um, or like, would you? Or like a you know a famous car, not just necessarily make or model, but you know, like oh, I want to do the Ghostbusters, <laughs> Ghostmobile. What's it called again? The Plas- Plasma Two. Sure. <laughs> It's going to haunt me now. People, listeners, please <laughs> yeah. let us know. <laughs> I like someone made the joke that if you want to know what it's uh, if you want to know what it's like to be a ghost, listen to a podcast where you know the answer that the the hosts don't know, and then you'll you'll know what it's like to be a ghost. I've done that many times. Yes. Sometimes when I'm out running, I have to be like, don't like, don't actually say it out loud. <laughs> Just think it in your head. <laughs> But back to cars, I would maybe say Bullet from Steve McQueen, maybe that car. (laughs) And you purposely keep the brakes kind of shoddy, so it would always be going, every time you went around a corner. Fun story, (laughs) my sister and I, she's about five and a half years older than I am. We went to Taco Bell one day. Three years younger than your car. Yes. <laughs> and um, she had a, oh, Mercury, like a Mercury Sable. And we were on our way home and we, you know, my parents, we lived kind of out in the country, so not like a quick jog home. We go to pull out of the drive-thru and, you know, my sister's like pumping the brakes, pumping the brakes. And she's like, she's like, oh, oh my God. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And like the brakes just like went out. And (laughs) we lucked out so much that day. My sister was like, we had some guardian angel looking out because we hit all the green lights, all of them on the way home. And... I think. Wait a minute! 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 I gotta! I gotta understand this. You're leaving the drive-through, and you realized your car has no brakes. Yeah. And instead of trying to just like stop yourself, you guys said, well, "Let's try it. Let's try to go home and <laughs> try, I, I try, think try, we try did. to maneuver your way through traffic and everything like that." Yeah, I'll okay. have to. Right. You know, I'll verify this with my sister. I may be <laughs> sensationalizing it, but <laughs> but I just remember that was. And you made it all the way home with no brakes. Apparently so. How did you stop when you got home? Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I think your sister might have been been yanking your chain a little bit with this no brakes uh, thing. She'll be like, remember that time? I'll be like, yeah, sure. (laughs) She's, wait, she's older, she's younger than you. Older. Oh, she was definitely yanking your chain then. Probably. <laughs> I didn't know how driving worked back then. <laughs> I mean, you were she was twenty five and you were twenty. How would you? How are you supposed to know how cars worked? Yeah, how do cars work? <laughs> science, it's a sign mystery to science. Yes, much like how do planes stay in the sky? So, what about you? What about your car? If you could have. Well, uh, I'm torn between, well, first of all, I would never have a fancy car because I would be too worried I was going to smash into something. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I know myself well enough to know I'm a clumsy, I'm always getting into little dings and pops and it would just break my heart to have, you know, a car that looked just like a uh, speed buggy <laughs> <laughs> uh, or something like that and then uh, and, and then wrecked it. But let's assume I had to. Let's assume, or that the cars were so cheap that you get, they're disposable or they're like hollow cars where you, not hollow, like H-O-L-L-O-W, 
H-O-L-O cars. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes more sense. <laughs> or like 3D printer, let's say that. If you'll notice, I have to give myself real-world rationalizations as to how a song from 1958 could have been played on a radio station in 1962. So I need to come up with some logical reason how this could happen. Um. Oh, Flintstones car. Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> I don't know how practical it would be. Like, are my feet like hanging out of the bottom? <laughs> so right, so nice. that might be that might be tricky to pull off but take forever to get from here to there <laughs> it's true and oh my gosh i have no brakes yeah you'd have to get all the way home with no brakes. yeah <laughs> from taco bell all the way home now i'm picturing your house having one of those truck um runoff <laughs> yeah where like a little hill made out of gravel just so that you you know when you when you and your sister get home luckily we live no. next to a field so oh that's good so okay yeah that's just <laughs> just as good <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna have to talk to my sister after this and be like, "Listen." Sorry, did I, did I ruin it by 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 uh, shining the harsh light of of skepticism on it? Because like, there's so many things. It's so easy to misremember, or you know, you're told one little thing, and in your mind, you're just like, "Oh my gosh, this happened, and it happened this way." And then, it, you know, later on, you're like, "That's totally false." <laughs> like somebody else will be like, "That didn't happen that way at all." <laughs> But they might be misremembering it too, so that's the that's the problem. My brother and I, uh, we were just uh, talking, and we were talking about the comedian Emo Phillips, and uh, he told a story about getting an Emo Phillips cassette as a gift as a teenager, and I was gobsmacked because I thought that that story had happened to me, uh. and so we both were like, "No, I was the one who got it as a gift," and so neither of us knows who. We have no way of knowing. It's like Schrodinger's <laughs> Emo. Phillips CD. We don't have no way of knowing what the real story is. So, uh, <laughs> best left unsolved, I guess. So kind of <laughs> segueing from that randomness back to... Did we? Uh, did, have you mentioned Suzanne Summers? Not really, no. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's uh, apparently Suzanne Summers next to Harrison Ford, the sheriff herself. At one point, she was a big star, but then uh, now she's all but forgotten. From her Three's Company to Thighmaster to... <laughs> step by step. De oh, step by step. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that was her, right? I forgot about that. Yeah, that was her. And Patrick Duffy. Oh, man. In the car, instead of the uh, dice, we have a nice skull around around the rear view mirror in Bob mm. Falfa's truck. I thought that was an interesting little tidbit, just to have that skull. It's pretty... Pretty cool looking. Yeah. I think I would go with, I don't know, would I go with Skull? I would go with Skull over Dice. Yeah. Personally. But that might be the, the Dungeons and Dragons nerd in me. <laughs> the first, my first thought was, well, I don't want to have a skull because then if I get killed in a car accident, people will say, oh, look, is a skull in his car and he died in a car accident. But then I was thinking, that's pretty badass to be killed in a car accident and then have a skull in your car. So maybe that is the better one to do. But then dice, it's the same thing. You're like, oh, look, yeah, dice, his luck had run out. You know, so. His luck, yeah. You could be like Ghost Rider if you had a skull. Oh, yeah, that's true. Only yeah. he was motorcycle. For Johnny Bla How did things work out for Johnny Blaze, the ghost rider? Oh, gosh. He turned into <laughs> Nicolas Cage. No, I don't know. <laughs> so, so well, then. Good. Yes, very well. And then he traded faces with John Travolta, and it took a real turn for the weird. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love the banter between Bob and John, the insults they hurl at one another in one another's vehicles. <laughs> 
Yeah, and the and the fact that they're driving next to each other saying it, which I guess was a thing back in the 50s when you drive next to someone and talk to them in the other car. Yeah, because they're cruising and, and how they insult the color of each other's cars, which kind of confused me because I'm like, if you're John, like Bob Falfa's car is not any odd color. It's like a dark, dark color. So I'm like, how are you going to insult that? That color. Yeah, he's not the smartest. He's not the smartest brick on the shelf. Yeah, because obviously, you know, Bob Falfa can, because John's car is that yellow color. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you can call it between the puke color and the... (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I wondered if the banter was kind of commonplace but also kind of shows how it's it's a rivalry between the two you know but because of hot rodding and racing but also kind of a i get an undertone of kind of friendly back and forth banter like you would with a really with your really good friends you know where you have that you 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 rib each other where you know it sounds like mean but it it has the friendly undertones well neither of them seem to be taking it very personally no you know they seem to be taking it in the spirit in which it is offered which is basically you're challenging the other guy to a duel just for fun and then we have carol's i love carol's insult because her oh what did she did you say your car's uglier than I am or something? Yeah. Yeah. She's like, wait, that didn't come out right. Because oh. I'm like, that would exact, like for the age that she is, that's the perfect kind of insult. Because at that age, you try and, you know, say the most insulting thing you can think of. And then it comes out all wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It made me feel kind of bad for Carol. Because between this and her drill sergeant father and the threats about <laughs> broken arms, I don't know, it doesn't, doesn't paint a very uh, rosy picture of Carol's home. <laughs> Life. Wish her a lot of luck. I know. I'm, I, yeah, her. Yeah, Mackenzie Phillips. Hopefully, everything in her life turned out. Just, that's kind of mean. I know she had a lot of issues as the years went on. Hey, you know, we all have our we all have our uh, struggles. Yeah, and I read somewhere that John, which I don't know. Uh, I don't think we see it here, but I read where his license plate was THX one three eight. Hmm. In this movie, so it's one number shy of the infamous 1138. I wonder if that was George Lucas's idea or if they surprised him with that. I know. It's a strange, uh, I wonder. Then I read where the character of Bob Falfa was named after a friend from USC of George Lucas named Robert Dalva. Yeah, Dalva. Dalva. I don't know. I can't read my writing quite. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a fun movie. So is there, in watching the movie, are there any characters that you connect with more than others? Or, you know, which character do you see yourself as, I guess? (laughs) Uh, Probably, probably Toad. (laughs) Certainly in high school. I mean, that's, I was much more like that then. So, uh, yeah, I'll say that that's the first one I thought of. Or the guy who works at the liquor store. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah. Although the, the guy, poor guy did lose his wife, so. <laughs> <laughs> so I always say, yeah, definitely Toad. And with the attitude, a little bit of attitude of Kurt, just because, you know, he's stuck in that questioning stage of do I stay or do I go? <laughs> yeah. And I think that's about all I had for this segment. Did you have anything um, Mackenzie Phillips crush, not hitting the rack, charming Harrison Ford acting. No, I that's pretty much, that's pretty much covered everything, all my notes. Me too. But uh, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure to revisit uh, American Graffiti. Yeah, yeah. 
and I'm glad you could join us here. So is there any upcoming podcast releases that you have in the works or already out? Well, uh, I am the co-host of Star Wars Minute, the uh, daily podcast where we do what you're doing, but we do it to uh, the Star Wars movies. And we are currently, as of this recording and for the foreseeable future, working on our way through The Last Jedi. So if you're interested in listening to nerds talk about Star Wars... You can go to StarWarsMinute.com or wherever you find podcasts. Wherever you download this podcast, you can probably find our podcast as well. And for listeners for this, we have Mel's Diners Drive-In on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. So you can join us there to lend your opinions and thoughts on American Graffiti. And join us back here tomorrow for the next segment of American Graffiti, one song at a time. (laughs) He's really fast, isn't he?